With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Yo, how y'all doing, everybody? I hope the last week has treated you well. Tell you this, I've never been so busy. Holy shit. Um, As I mentioned last time, helping to run Turkey Joe's, uh, TJ's, I keep saying Turkey Joe's, but we uh, shortened it to TJ's to give it a little bit of a rebranding feel. And yeah, it's going well, but man, just keeping the bars at capacity and everything, or with capacity being half capacity, that's a real challenge. Uh, but, uh, and you know, I'm doing some posts on social media. I wish everybody would relax. And I, I know, you know, yeah, because I'm getting all kinds of this feedback. Most people see that I'm, I'm a human and I'm trying to do a job. Okay. I'm trying to do a job which get people in the bar and run it well. Now, the NLC, being the liquor corporation and the health inspectors before that, they're in every day, guys. So, we're fine. We're going by the rules. I know you see pictures of George Street. That's out of context, first of all. And again, the last time I'll say it, well, probably not, but anything on the street, any lineups or anything, it's not really in my or our hands. That's out in the street. I mean, Bannerman Park's crazy. Thousands of kids playing in the sprinkler. People are applauding Water Street here in St. John's about the pedestrian walk. And it's no different than the regatta. There's people everywhere. George Street, the least of your worries. Anyway, I'm just sick of saying it. And every weekend, the same shit. I go and I do some kind of post for TJ's on my own account. You know, everybody come down, whether, whether I have a shot or I'm drinking a beer and I show the crowd, whatever, which is not really a crowd, right? It's, it's half capacity and then some. We go way less. Half capacity on the deck in Turkey's is like 60 and downstairs is 70. We go way less. We go with under 50 in both. Um, you know, live music, uh, a lot of the time, chill vibes other than that. Trust me, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, uh, especially nothing that I'm fucking doing. Never, if you can remember that, my Instagram is one thing. Yes, it's me. It's not, it's not I'm not doing an actor, but it's me part of the time. There's a lot of fucking layers to this cat, okay? Right? I'm not drinking beer. I, I'm not shotgunning beer all day. If I could do that, or if I did do that, I wouldn't be able to function. And when I'm actually working down there, I'm not drinking, okay? I'm meeting and greeting. Some days I got off, though, or sometimes I'm just promoting or something. That's different. But if I'm down there in a managerial position, which happens sometimes, 
you know, it's just, I, I can't believe I got to fucking say this constantly. But anyway, I'm just just responding to some people that are sending me messages. A, they're way out of context. You're assuming you're generalizing. And again, if the NLC and health inspectors are constantly in our bar and they think it's going OK. Or yet more than that, you know, we've we've other than the ad warning about people dancing, which has happened everywhere. We haven't been written up. Uh, you know, they're they're fine with the way it's going. It's a hard challenge down there. Now, I don't want to spend the whole fucking day talking about that either because I got a great guest. I'm just going to leave it there. I'm sure I'll get more and more and more. And if any of you haters or any of you accusers or assumers or generalizers, if you want to come on my show, fantastic. I'd way rather have a back and forth like adults, have an articulated conversation that'll help both of us that will represent both ideas. We talk about it. We go in a positive direction. But don't just slam something like F you on Twitter and, oh, Terry Ryan thinks my grandfather should die. Yes, that happened on Twitter. No, I don't at all. I'm trying to help out. The other thing, we've been locked up for four months. There, is, there, there, there are no cases in Newfoundland, for fuck's sakes. Now, I'm not trying to be... Uh, irresponsible either or ignorant. If this was Georgia or Florida, I wouldn't be in this position. I'd have the bar shut down. I'm not an idiot. I'm not trying to make light of it either because I know that there could be cases. But for right now, not me, it's not even me, the general public here, if you want to know why they're on the pedestrian walk and why they're in these bars and why all kinds of people are going out, it's because they were locked up for three or four months. And now we, and they, they realize we're in a place that has no cases. Now I get it. So stop coming at me. Well, you know, there could be cases. I know it's not my opinion, though. Well, A, it is, but I'm not, I'm not thrusting that on everybody because I'm going, following all the rules like we should. I don't want to be irresponsible either. Good Lord, I don't. But you have to understand what the, you know, I can't control thousands of people walking down the street. I can control who comes in my bar. You know, there's a lot. There's layers to this. I'd love to have a grown-up conversation. I call Patty Daly. You know, I'm not afraid to feel the heat. Just give me a chance, though. Don't throw a dagger on Twitter and then hide behind an alias. Right? Now, moving the fuck on again, because I didn't have to do this. Again, it's money. Okay, it's money. It's a job. And I wanted to help my buddy. And I'm not exactly rolling in dough during this. Everything I did got cut off. I'm trying to do what I can. I realize I'm putting myself out there. I realize I'm turning a lot of people off. I realize I, I'm hired to do public speaking. I'm hired to, or I have a podcast. I'm in a position, um, I have a platform. I get it. Do you think if I didn't have to, I wouldn't bite off this responsibility? I get it. I'm going to go out there and promote a bar and there's going to be half the people are going to say, what the fuck are you doing during COVID? Okay, but it's going to be open anyway, isn't it? And I can help out. I can get people in that door and I can make sure that they better fucking respect our bar or they leave. And that's what I have been doing. So don't judge everything on a 30-second fucking clip that I put on Instagram story. Now, anyway, moving on. Aaron Brand, my guest today. Former OHL scoring champ, signs with the Leafs. Man, I played with him. He played four years in St. John's. People here will know him. Uh, decent player in the A. Um, yeah, decent. Brando was two-way. He could score. In the OHL, he lit it up. I believe when he was an overage, he led the league in scoring. Well, I know he did. Um, and so there was an expectation that came with that. Uh, and to me, he was a great pro. I, I think people expected him to score 
100 points in the A. And, it just, you know, he, he was just, in, in my experience, Brando was a two-way sentiment. I played with him again in Cincinnati in the East Coast League. Same thing. He had up around a point a game. Everybody loved him. Was always a leader. Brando liked to have a beer, but always was aware that there was a job to do. And I really respect him for that. I, I was more off the rails. You know, I'd want everybody, you know, if there was a party, I'd mark it down on the calendar. I'd make sure everybody came. I'd make sure we dressed up or whatever we did. There was a theme. I like to have a lot of fun with it. Brando certainly was no stickler. He'd show up. I call him kickstand, by the way. Um, kickstand would show up. Always be there with the boys. Um, but just a real, you know, he, he never really slipped up in, in pro uh, that I know of. Was a great leader by example. Um, and, uh, you know, when Brando spoke up in the room, um, it usually meant he had something to say. He was quiet otherwise. And off the ice, I got to be honest, the first year, when did we play together? 99, 2000 was the first time for the St. John's Leaps. And uh, Brando was, uh, was, is a great fella. We didn't hang out a lot at the beginning. I hang out more that year with Sean Thornton, DJ Smith, now with Ottawa. Coach Ottawa, uh, Jason Sessa. I think he's a firefighter in, in uh, New York City. Uh, Ryan Pepperall, who I know is a cop in Niagara Falls. Um, it was a lot of us. Trans Sandwith. With Trent, you know, you've heard the Sandman if you listen to this show. There was quite a few. Now, Brando was there every day. We talked. We got along. But I really, really, really hung up. A couple years later, we played in Cincinnati together. And we really hung out a lot there. And I got to know Brando more deeply in Cincinnati. We've stayed in touch ever since. And uh, just an interesting guy. And I know he has, you know, we keep in contact. I, I, I wanted to have him on here for a while. But, um, yeah, for one reason or another, we, we just kept kicking the can down the street. But he, he, he's, he's involved in some causes. I, I'd, I'd like to... Get him, give him a chance to uh, promote, and he's got an interesting story anyway. So, I'd love to get that in uh, with Aaron Brand. What's my favorite? Oh God, my favorite Brando story. Uh, general, just generally in um, Cincinnati, uh, we'd hang out, and um, I called him Kickstand, and I, <laughs> I'll um. I don't even want to say why. I don't want to get crude on here or rude or, or push the envelope. You can guess, I guess, why you'd call him kickstand. And um, anyway, he kind of came out of his shell because, you know, when he was in the, in the American League, he was so wrapped up, as you are, with getting up to the next level. Everybody wants NHL games. Um, and I'm not saying when you go to the coast, it's not available anymore, but you you, you kind of – there's, you know, you, you know, it's more of a process. It's not, even though you're further away, it, it's kind of a little bit of pressure off. And it's a new city and we were in Cincinnati as opposed to St. John's, which we love, but St. John's, I love it. It's my, my favorite, I think it was the boys' favorite road trip in the A for a lot of reasons. But, you know, when you're from here, and Brando had played four years here, so we got to go to a new city in Cincinnati. And it was generally a laugh because we lived in the same complex. They put us up there. We didn't have to pay for rent or none of that. It was great. Communal little pool in the middle. Great. Most of the guys lived there, but it was like probably a 40 minute drive to the rink. So we do that every day. And like I said, I really got to know Brando and, you know, little things like the music he liked or 
or movies or I'm like, you know, we talk about it. I'm like, Brando, why didn't you bring this up before? Like, you know, why am I getting to know you years later? And it, and it was just, I guess that he was more at ease with himself or more talkative. You know, everybody grows socially at different times. Uh, and you might give talk to someone else and they might have a different opinion. But when I played in Cincinnati with kickstand, uh, it was a great experience. And he was probably my, had a few close friends there, but you know, probably my closest. And uh, I'll let him explain the specifics of that. But uh, anyway, without further ado, usually I have a little bit more of uh, a preamble here, but I've said what I wanted to say. And uh, without going further with what I opened up with, look, I understand we're all in a tough position here, but I encourage everybody just smile however you can. Don't be irresponsible. I just want to have a bit of fun, man. It's, it's you know, it's 20, 25 degrees since early May in St. John's doesn't usually happen. And beneath all the riots and all the hate and all the politics and all the gaslighting, ah, God, and all the racism and all the protesting, all the disease and all the worry and all the safety checks beneath all that we're human and we want to get along and, and we want to be social. And again, I've said it, but it's trying on everybody, but you know, pick your favorite podcast, pick your favorite music, throw away your phone three hours a day. Like I do four hours and uh, do your thing, man. Enjoy life, enjoy life like you can. And that was a great time to do it. Most of the people I'm talking to, it's summertime right now, so enjoy summer and be responsible, okay? We'll be right back with one of my favorites, Aaron Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to Tales with TR. This fella is a former Mimical Monarch, St. Michael's Buzzer, Buzzer, Newmarket Royal, Sarnia Sting, St. John's Maple Leaf, Arkansas Riverblade, Cincinnati Cyclone, Innsbruck HC, Bakersfield Condo, Port Huron Beacon, Port Huron Flag, Brantford Blast. He is a sharp shooter, a slippery scorer, a fine forward, a loyal leaf, a dynamite dad, a happy human, a kind Canadian. You'd never call him boring. He led the OHL in scoring. He had John Sim on his wing when he played for the Sting. As a pal, he's remained loyal, and he also played for the Newmarket Royals. He used to call me on my cell phone when we played in Cincinnati Cyclones. He hasn't been arrested for theft, and he usually shoots left. I lost the Allen Cup twice in my past. One was to this guy when he played for the Blast. I sing his praises wherever I go. He had a great career, over 10 years pro. My two-time teammate, who we called Kickstand. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my old pal, Aaron. Moran! Aaron Brand, how you doing? Good, buddy. That was awesome. Appreciate that. Well, it's been a while, and... Uh, I got into it a little, a little bit, Brando, and um, in the preamble, I told people that we'd play together on two separate occasions, and um, I really, the most interesting thing was what came right before that, when I was in Fredericton and you were in St. John's, but we will get there. We will get there. First of all, how are you doing? Um, how's life treating you? Where are you, and what are you up to these days? Yeah, so I'm in uh, Sarnia, living in Sarnia, where I play junior. Oh, you're back um, in Sarnia, where, where your jersey hangs from the rafters. No yeah. wonder, that's a comfortable place to be. How did you end up there? <laughs> well, I mean, I grew up in Toronto, right? And uh, once I played junior, um, a bunch of us stayed around in the summer times to train and stuff like that. So it just seemed like a smaller place, and uh, it seemed more suited for me to, for a place to, to settle down after hockey. 
Okay. Toronto's uh, quite quite the big place and nice to visit. I visit my parents all the time, but now, where, are you from? Very, right, like right in Toronto? Yeah, like just on the on the edge of like say Scarborough or whatever. Oh, so I live right in the beaches, right by uh. Like, okay, like I know where the beaches. Are. Now I'm there like a lot. So when I when we were playing for the Leafs, I mean I knew Toronto to go in and play and leave. Was that? But now, no, I know exactly what you mean. I stay on Queen East when I'm there or the beaches. Either way, I got because there's uh, most of the time I'm there now, it's for um, film and things like that. And there's a whole lot in those areas. So I do know now Toronto more than I did. Uh, so you grew up then. I, I didn't realize out here it's a Scarborough. And then is that so? Is that was that the Mimico Monarchs? Are they around there? I hadn't heard of that team. It's the only one that, well, you played. that yeah, no, I, I just played a couple games there. I went minor midget in my draft year. Um, we, uh, um, we were affiliated, I guess, with Mimico. So we got, we got called up a few of us just played a few games there. So, but, uh, and, and could... you know, you end up having a great OHL career. Did you, I've never asked you this. Were you like a, a child prodigy when it came to that? Were, were, did you know when you were like 12, like, did everybody go, okay, this guy's going to play pro or was it, did you not stumble upon it, but did you gradually just improve and find yourself playing professional hockey? Well, I, like I played in the basically the GTHL, and there was about eight teams in the league back then. And I mean, I I played on a middle of the pack team, and I was a good player in a middle of the pack team. I was never the superstar. I was never the uh, the uh, I, I I wasn't that. I was more of a late bloomer, and I just fell in love with the game of hockey, and I just loved the game. So um, I would say I had the passion for the game and and love for the game, and that's kind of. I, I consider myself like self-taught the game. It was never that I was a, I was a good player, but I wasn't a superstar. I mean, I wasn't Jason Allison or Kevin Weeks, right? I just asked because you came through the OHL with some great players. I'm looking at it, Brando. Like your first year, you have a point of game. So like the yeah. year before, the year before you like you know some people go in, you know it's their first year, so they're allowed you know you get five goals and five assists. It's all good. May come back next year, you know. But like you immediately went in and a were an impact player, but b did you have an opportunity the year before and you just wanted to wait when you were in? Well, the... yeah. So what happened? I got drafted. So in the OHL, in the, in the draft, I got drafted um, in the 13th round. Wow. So, I didn't even know there was that. Okay. Yeah. So I got drafted in the 13th round. So it wasn't like I was a first rounder, right? Like our first rounder to Newmarket was, guess who? Jason Bond Sr. <laughs> our teammate a few years later. Yeah. So much talent. We'll get into that. Just didn't know what to do with it. But uh, anyway. It, that's so, my opinion. So, yeah, so, yeah, so my draft year, I was looking at this the other day, but it was uh, Jeff O'Neill. Then it was um, Brett Lindros. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was uh, Bill McCauley and Wayne Primo. There was some good players. Those are good, good players. But, I mean, I was – in my minor midget year, I was either going to go to – you know, you have a choice to go into college or go to the OHL. Yeah. So I actually always wanted to be a college guy, you know. And, yeah. And uh, – that, that maybe affected me going in the 13th round. Okay, 13th round, hey, TR, a 13th rounder is actually not even supposed to make the team. Well, no, right. I, I say to people, like, it's bad enough in real hockey. If you go, like, if you're, when people get drafted in, like, the, say, the 10th round of the NHL, and people go and they ask me, they're like, what are his chances? I'm like, well, they're, they're, they're not great. I, I hope he makes it. But I'm like, you know, they're, they're, that means there's nine players just in that year that came before him. But the thing about pro is that there's no real cap on how old you can be. But in junior, it's five years maximum, and most people, the vast majority, don't. So you're talking about making it ahead of these people 
that are supposed to come in immediately and have an impact are going to get some serious looks. I think going 13th round in the, in the OHL would still mean you're way, way, way the odds are against you. So how did your first camp go then? So, my, yeah, so my first camp, um, I actually did pretty good, and they wanted me to move to Newmarket and play Junior B and get some, some uh, games called up. Like, and, and I thought at the time, I was like, well, if I'm going to play Junior B, I'd rather just play for uh, – I actually played in Pickering, and I got traded to St. Mike's. But, uh, so I ended up playing in St. Mike's. And guess, guess who I played with at St. Mike's? Craig Mills. Oh, my God. He's, he's been a guest on this. He's one of my best yeah. friends. Oh, wow. Fred, <laughs> I did not know that. I knew you guys knew each other. Uh, but I met him when he was on the fireman line in Belleville because I went to see Cleary. And, yep. and, they'd, and they'd come here in the summer. So it was Dan Cleary, Brian Secord, and Craig Mills. I'm sure you remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and they used to come here in the summertime because they knew Dan the man. So I actually knew Craig a little bit before I knew you. But uh, how was that experience then uh, to play with Millsy? Oh, so it's in St. Mike's. It's like amazing tradition. Like Eric Lindros played a couple of years before us, right? So they, everything they do is top of the line. A great tradition, awesome team. And uh, so what happened, it was the head scout of the Newmarket Royals at the time was Floyd Crawford. It was Mark Crawford's dad. So we were in the playoffs and he was coming out to all the games and he would wait for me after the games. And he's like, he would critique me a little bit on the games or whatever and give me some pointers or whatever, but he's like, you got to come to Newmarket next year. You got to come to Newmarket. And at the time I was like, well, you know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't go away the first year and they wanted me to play junior B. So I played in, and I was still thinking college. I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm going to go to the college route. Like, seems like, you know, yeah. uh, more my style. My actually, my mom, I don't know if I told you this, but my mom went to Michigan State. She's American. And my dad went to Michigan State. He was on the football team. My grandpa. No. Or, not my dad, my grandpa, my grandpa. So I was like, I was all about Michigan State, right? But it, so um, I, w- I will say, though, if it wasn't for um, Floyd Crawford basically saying, like, man, I've seen you play. I know my hockey. Like, obviously, like his, wow. his, 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 all his brothers were, were coaches and stuff. So if it wasn't for him, I, I maybe wouldn't have went. So I w- made the OHL as an 18-year-old. And then I put up, like he said, a point a game as an 18-year-old. Then well, you led your team in scoring. Year, it's one thing to put up a point a game. But in, re- in relative terms, you're your team's leading scorer. So, you know, there's usually a cap on that. I don't know where you guys finished, but you're 10 points ahead of Jim Brown, um, which I'm, I'm not saying Jim's not a good player. He played less game. I'm just saying you found yourself leading yeah, your I mean, team. And I mean, I mean the, the chance to play in, to, in the OHL, like, uh, I don't know. I still remember 18 years old, like just, I don't know. It was just amazing because I, I, the reason I, I, I wanted to go to college was to play college hockey. And... And I, that's why I chose the OHL because I get to study hockey. I, I was more—I was in love with hockey, not like so much at school. You know what I mean? Like I wanted yeah. to go to Michigan State to play hockey, not to study. And that was like the big thing. Once it kind of like sunk in, I'm like, no, you need to study hockey. The only the best place to study hockey is to go to the OHL because I love hockey. That's actually a great way to put it. And I often say like everybody's different. People ask me, should I go one or the other, or parents? And I'm like, man. And I've even seen write-ups. I've seen journalists write an article why people should do one or the other and i'm like you feet people aren't seeing the forest through the trees everybody's different everybody certain players adapt better to this it's not just the on ice it's the off ice certain people here but i know you and if there's one person that i know loves the game and is a huge fan of hockey it's definitely aaron brand you'd be the first person that came to my mind i knew and i'm telling you you led by example you were good in the room you like to have a few beers but hockey always came first and you you knew it like you were the kind of guy now it's so easy because everybody got cell phones. But I used to go, if there was no hockey news around, because remember, the, the stats used to be posted in the hockey news. 
And yeah. I, I used to often go, oh, yeah, I, I, I wonder how Jeff Friesen is doing or whoever. And you would spill off the stats. You, not only that, you have a good memory. So you, you would spill off the stats. You, 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 you were my go-to if I was wanting to win an argument. or what, And it might, didn't even have to be that season. It could have been two seasons before. You were a real hockey historian. I have no doubt you would have done well at college. But especially being a two-way player, and at the time, Brando, at the time, now it's kind of evened out. Major Junior was so ridiculously tough. I mean, too far one way. That if, if I was a scout and I knew you could play that, I know you could play pro, right? Whereas yeah. college, it's all evened out a little bit now. But at the time, that was one thing. I mean, there was the odd guy like Chris Nyland or something that came out of it. But, you know, like people, they were like, okay, the NHL, it was the Legion of Doom that was big. It was big, tough. Like, not, you didn't have to drop your gloves. But just to survive in the OHL, and score, you had to have a level of toughness mentally. That's what I think helped you because you came into the Amer the American Hockey League when we played had to be the scariest time. I mean, it had to be in the history. Everybody had a tough guy. They were going around. You could hook. You could hold. You could spear. You could cross check. Um, but but I'm getting ahead of myself. So the next season after Newmarket, where you lead your team in scoring as a first year, I don't care if you're 18. It's a huge thing. How does it happen with Sarnia? Yeah, so um, I went to Sarnia, and our coach was uh, Don Boyd the first year. And about 15 games in the season, he ended up getting fired. Because Sarnia um, took over from Newmarket, right? You weren't traded. Yeah, so the, the Cicerelli uh, yeah. brothers, uh, they bought the team. They're from Sarnia. They bought the team from Newmarket. And then in the last regular season game in Newmarket, they're like, uh, yeah, we're moving the team to Sarnia. So I remember sitting in the dressing room uh, asking the guy beside me. I can't remember who it was, but I'm like, where's Sarnia? Like, I don't know. And we're like, where the fuck is Sarnia? Like no one knew where Sarnia was, right? So the first time I came here, I remember my dad drove me down and uh, and uh, we went to training camp and put in this small arena or whatever. But uh, once, the, once the games came in the, and we seen the fans, like we're hockey mad, it was awesome. So, so uh, was it first few of the years there, like was it sold out kind of thing? I oh, it was no sold idea. out all the time. Yeah, it was sold out all the time. So yeah, so my second year, uh, Mark Hunter took over, uh, the, was our, our coach. And uh, here it was like Mark Hunter. I was like, I like he won the Stanley Cup with Calgary, played in the NHL. So I mean, whatever he said, kind of like for me, I was just like, this guy has so much credibility because uh, you know what I mean. He's he's been there and done that, so he knows what he's talking about. So for all for myself and and all our team, like he just raised the bar of like everything. And just he's like, he's like hockey. Uh, hockey is about winning. When we win, we have fun, and when we lose, like it's not going to be fun. But uh, he was he was he was a co he was unbelievable. He was like probably one of my favorite coaches. A uh, couple things I assumed in your in intro, Brando. So your your third year there, you lead the scoring. I mean, did you play with John Sim? I just assumed because he's a great player and you led this. You led the OHL in scoring, right? That was off the top of my head, but I I seem to remember that. I didn't really look through yeah. my research. Yeah, no, I I I ended up winning. Yeah, I beat. Uh, I think Dan Query was was second. Yeah. but the thing the thing. Thinking about that, like my season, it wasn't like I was getting five or six points a game. It was like I was a consistent. I think in sixty-six games, because we played sixty-six games, I think I had points in sixty of them. I think only six ah. games. I, didn't, like, I was either like one or two points a game. You know what I mean? Just consistent. Like Hunter was, he wasn't like all about the points. He was about defense and winning faceoffs. Yeah. And a two-way player because he's 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 big on that. He don't care like like. Uh, if you score a hat trick and you get scored on three times, he's like, he'll bench you. Like, you don't care, right? Like, he, you got you to gotta play uh, good in your own end. So, uh, 
Yeah. So, no, yeah, that's, so that's what it was. It, and, and getting back to like what you said about minor hockey, it wasn't like I was the big superstar in minor hockey. Yes, I was very good, but I wasn't like on the best team in the league. You know what I mean? Because the was, best players always used to jump around from team to team. So I was just a guy that was loyal, played for Rexford Raiders, Rexford Raiders for like five years. And then I moved over to the North York Canadians, like the junior Canadians, played there for two years. So I only played on two different teams, but I was always like a consistent guy, like, like you know, probably – maybe played with good players and stuff like that. But it wasn't like I played with all the superstars because in Toronto, there's no boundaries. So all the superstars used to move around, jump around from team to team. Right. Yeah, but I was yeah, like, yeah. no, we're not, we're, like, we're not going to do that because we're just going to play for Wexford. Cause they were, you know. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. So, so, so I, I yeah. didn't know that. That, that doesn't. Doesn't. Yeah. But it, you know, and, then, and then one more thing, getting back to the new market thing. So on the bus, I know I was, a, I was a stat guy on the bus. I was the guy who always had the hockey news. So I lived, I roomed with Larry Corville. Yeah, so Larry Corville, World ball. Junior, NHLer, oh, yeah. I think Vancouver, right? Like yeah. a lot of people don't remember. Tell us a bit about Larry. Oh, unreal. Like he loved like hunting and stuff, but he was just on his own page. Like, like he just, like it was like, like he's just, no one was telling him what to do. Like <laughs> okay. he's just, like he just ran the room and like ran his own like little, <laughs> okay. little thing. I roomed with him and it was amazing because I learned a lot from him or whatever. But we get on the bus for a road trip. We go up to like say the Sioux or, Sudbury, North Bay, whatever, a four hour, six hour road trip, right? Yeah. He's like, Brand, where's the hockey news? I'm like, fuck. Like, I want to, I like, I, I want that. I brought the hockey news. So, so I, wanted to li- I wanted to read it. That's why I knew all the stats because I spent like four hours just studying all the stats. So then I got the next road trip. I, before I went to the road trip, you know what I did? I went and bought two hockey newses. So, because I, I knew Larry would steal my hockey news. Oh, so I was like, yeah, here you go, boys, take my hockey news. And then I was like, beautiful. Then I grabbed another hockey news and then I uh, had my stats. So that's, I remember I you that. doing that in St. John's because the bo- <laughs> DJ and Thority and Pepperall and Sess and the boy, like, all they would do was chirp everybody. It was, it was fun too because we were in last place the year I was there. But like, they would just chirp. And I remember they used to come out and you used to go, yeah. Of course, I got the hockey news, guys. I always got the hockey. And you would, you would come on sometimes with three of them. We'd go through the airport or wherever, and you'd often have three. You're like, okay, this is good. You don't, you, by the end of it, you were just putting them back at the back. Yeah, it's at the back, boys. <laughs> it was great, though. I love how you were consistent um, with that. And listen, listen, before we move on from that, I got to know. Because um, it, was, it was tough times back then. Your guys' team in Sarnia had Dennis Maxwell. So Dennis played with us in St. John's, a, a real loony tune. And Maxie was off the ice too. You didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, I, I trusted him as a teammate, but you know, you never know if you're at the bar, if he was, was going to be a fight breakout. You didn't really know. And I, yeah, I, I'm not putting him down when I say that. It was just, he, he was a guy that, yeah, you, you had to be aware. You know, he was tough and it didn't just come from wanting to get penalty minutes. How was he in the OHL? I see 55 games, 227 minutes the one year. And I didn't realize he played on Sarnia with you. Was, was Maxi a, a, a Looney Tune back then, too? And did he fight the tough guys? Because there wasn't many on your team, as, as opposed to some teams had, like, five. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I would say for him, like, for him, it's a presence. Like, you knew when he was in the dressing room where he wasn't. You knew when he was on the ice and warm-up. He wouldn't even warm-up. He wouldn't even wear shoulder pads. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like, like you knew when he was on the ice and like, Oh yeah. For, for fighting, like, like he, he'd fight anyone. Like he's tough too. He knows how to, he knew, he knows how to handle. He knew how to fight. Yeah. The ice. So uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say, I didn't see him fight definitely on the ice and uh, off the ice as well. And, uh, and I'd never seen him lose. Yeah. Like, he doesn't lose. He doesn't I bought, lose. 
he was so underrated because we had all these guys like, you know, let's just say Sean Dorn, for example, let's say bird dog, let's say bird dog. But Maxi was like bird dog in that you felt protected because I wouldn't want to play. That's why I hated playing against bird dog. Cause you don't know if you're going to cross check in the face. You know, I, I love him and everything. There was just another level. If, if Jody Shelley's out there, I know shells is probably going to T bone. You want to fight? you ready. I need to, I need to, need to get my team going. You ready. And there's an agreement and you fight. So you see the penalty minutes go up. But how he achieved them was a little bit different. Maxi, if he's out there, he, he, yeah, he might turn around and chop you over the back. And I, and I mean that in the best way because there's one thing to be tough. It's another thing to be, like, scared out there going, this guy's going to do anything, so you just don't. So you, there, there all of a sudden is more room for everybody else, right? In a twisted way, it's brutal kind of policing, but in a twisted way, there's more room. Uh, and at least that's the way I felt in St. John's. I mean, didn't you feel that we had this crazy tough team? I mean, Philly might have come close, but, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. For <laughs> sure. Like, uh, yeah, like Maxwell was tough as nails. Like, Thornton's tough as nails. Like, Bird Dog is uh, – well, actually, getting on the Bird Dog, I remember Bird Dog, when we, every time we went into Hamilton – my friends would come to Hamilton because it was pretty close, right? Yeah. And he'd be on the and he'd be on the plane, and he just lo- look over at me and goes, "Tell your buddies not to be late." I'm like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> he goes, "I'm going, George, first shift." So <laughs> I'd be like on the payphone. I'm like calling the calling the guys. I'm like, "Don't be late for the game." A bird dog says, "Don't be late," and they're like, "What?" He's like, first shift. He's going, George Laroc." And sure enough, bam, grab some first shift every every time, every time. One of those games, Brando. So we were playing. Yeah, the Atlantic Division was different, right? Because there was now it's mostly Q teams in that area. But say we were in Fredericton, you guys were in St. John's. So often, I remember at least three occasions, you guys being somewhere like Wooster, Hamilton, Philly, and we were in there next. So, and it was different. There wasn't so much happening on the West. I don't think there even was any teams out West when we played. It was all Eastern Seaboard in the AHL. Um, so. I remember being there for one instance. So he says that, and, and I've heard the rumors. I'm like, they're going to go right off the bat. And sure enough, he fights him right off the bat, and, like, jerseys come off. Something happens, a bird get, gets kicked off. But he goes off, and he, like – and we, we kind of go down to see what's going to happen because our shit's in one of the rooms, too, for the next morning's practice, pregame skate, right? Say it's Friday, Saturday. So we're looking – and he goes nuts, and the security – and he, he's, like, throwing his stick. And then he goes in to – the alumni slash wives room. Like he went in there with his skates on and, and told everybody off. He threw his stick. I don't know if it was Rogi Vashon's dad or it was someone like that was, was in the room that their, their, their son played on Hamilton and we went in there after and they were terrified. And, and he looked and he threw his stick and it like cracked a pitcher and it came down. And then he goes in and then you can, you can see the water get, or the Gatorade gets sprayed when he hits it within the, with his stick on the way in the room. And then he gets in there and you can hear him freaking out. And we're going like, Holy shit. And it's really early. Like, I barely knew Bird Dog yet. I just knew he was a bit nuts. But every time, now I've spoke about him on here, and I don't want people to think this negatively because he was a teddy bear off the ice. He moved here. I love him. But craziest guy I've ever played against. Does any one Bird Dog, Bird Dog story come to mind other than that? Oh, yeah, for sure. A few stories. I, I was I was thinking about Bird Dog because when I knew I was coming on here, I was you start thinking about about stories and stuff. Um, I remember I was a rookie in the AHL. Mark Hunter was our coach, and he liked to do one on ones, 
right? Yeah. He loved, so, he loved, he loved to he do one-on-ones. One on ones. Often like, it was all practice. Not that I played for him. I know enough people who did, and I saw him coach. Often it was bull in the ring for 45 minutes. Oh, he, yeah, he loved his, his one-on-one. So whatever, like, you, you're a forward, and whoever you have, like, you go line up against, you line up against, you know what I mean? So maybe the first time I did my one-on-one, I'm going against Nathan Dempsey, whatever. Next time I'm going against, you know, uh, Trent Cole. And third time I'm going against Bird Dog. So I come down or whatever. I, like, I remember this. I'm coming at a one-on-one in, in Mun Arena or whatever, St. John's. Memorial, yeah. what was it? Memorial Stadium, right? Memorial Stadium, yeah. So I, yeah, so I come down on Bird Dog, and I make a little move, like inside-outside move, and I go around him. And I come in and take a shot or whatever, and I don't know if I scored or not, but like, so I get back to the line or whatever, and uh, so I basically dance bird dog in practice. And okay. I'm thinking well, that's that's not that's you know what I mean, like playing the show. So I'm thinking that like anyone who played in the show, like that's pretty good if I can decode an NHL. Yeah, and you're gonna try to do that, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I get back in the line of the one-on-one in the corner. Next thing you know, I kind of look out of the corner of my eye, and bird dog is skating to the corner, the corner. And he gets right in front of me. And he, you know how like Wayne Gretzky hunches over on his stick? He puts a stick on his yeah. knees or whatever and he hunches over. So Bird does that to me and he looks over to me and, sh- and turns his head and he goes, Hey, Brando. And I'm thinking, um, Yeah. He's like, you got two options. He goes, You can do that move again and see this stick. He goes, I'll introduce it to my stick. <laughs> or, and he's giving me the second option. And as he's giving me the second option, one of the veterans wa- uh, skates by and goes, just, just drive wide. Just drive wide. So then, and then, then Burdock finishes. He's like, "Yeah, the second option was to drive wide." So then I'm like, "Holy fuck!" I, I'm like, "I'm like, what the hell? This guy's crazy, right?" I, I what? I deke you out, and then now you're saying you're gonna like yeah. introduce me to you, Nick, or I can just drive wide. So I'm thinking to myself, "I'm like, Hunter's my coach or whatever, and uh, he's probably watching or whatever." Um, so, guess what I did, T? <laughs> I drove wide. Oh yeah, you did. You drove wide, of course you did. I fucking love it. See what I mean? That presence was there even in practice. Oh, um, and Brando's same thing. The first game I played against him was in these rookie exhibition games up in like New Liskert, Ontario, and the, or Timmins. I don't know if you're playing. It was it was Fredericton basically versus St. John's, but it was it was Montreal rookies versus St. John's rookies. Sure enough, the same sort of thing. Like I tried to move. I didn't even really get fully in on him. I I got it under his stick and like. I made and then I'd be like backhanded it out front again. So like I guess I, I beat him to a space for like a fraction of a second. Really, there wasn't much to it. And he says the same sort of thing. I forget the exact words. They could have been the same though. And anyway, he said it though. He goes, the next time you go down though, and you try anything, I'm gonna whack you over the ankle. And the next time he did, it wasn't over the ankle though. It was right over my laces. And he nearly broke my foot. And I was like, and not that had never happened before, ever. Like even in the West. You, you might do it and someone get mad. And I was coming from a tough league and you might end up getting in a fight, but I'm like, what? Like, you're just going to hurt me because I'm like essentially making a move on you. Like I'm, I'm exposing you. You're just going to hurt me. This is exhibition. Like, what? Anyway. Yeah. He said it. And I came to the bench and Jerry Fleming, he said, I'm just telling you treat him differently than everybody else. He said, there's not one other person that I'll tell you to, to, to listen to when he says that, but you got to pick your spots on bird. And he said, if I was you the next time that I'd try to dangle bird dog, would be the last game we played them in the playoffs so he can't come back at you. That's what Jerry Fleming said to me. And I was like, oh, okay. And I sure, I realized we are, you know, I'm not going to fucking do that to everybody, Jerry, but I realized Bird Dog was a different animal. No, he is, he is. A couple, hey, I got a couple more stories for Bird Dog yep. before. Please, uh, we, please, we, please, please. Yeah. So, in St. John's, we used to go on, like, at least two or three-week uh, road trips, right? Yeah. So we went on a three-week road trip. So Bird Dog, like NHL guy, he's got a lot of pull. Like he basically runs the room or whatever. He's good with the trainers, good with everyone. Yeah. So we had 
our trainer had an assistant trainer and bird dog said tell us it was a young kid he goes hey come over here he goes this is what i want you to do we're going on a road trip for three weeks i got 12 sticks i need you to cut my sticks for me because he didn't like cutting sticks he didn't mind taping them but he didn't want to cut them and he's bird dog so he can like do yeah, that I, I love that right, shit. right? so so the kids so he takes he said bird dogs he goes i want this stick uh, 12 sticks like this so the kid takes the stick and he takes the second stick and measures it and he cuts it and then he takes the second stick to the third stick and cuts it takes the third stick to the fourth stick and cuts it goes down and down and down and down so then uh bird dog's like you could tell me when you're done he goes i'm done i did them all so he goes okay let's check them out so he goes, here they are. So Bird Dog goes, line them up against the, against the uh, wall. So he lines them up against the wall. Well, the first one was here, and then it went down a little bit, and a little bit, and a little bit, and every, because he, he didn't take the normal stick and, and do it to everyone. He opened it the second and third. <laughs> so it just gradually right. went down. It gradually went down. So, he, so it went down for probably like three inches, right? And then <laughs> Bird Dog was just snapping, just absolutely snapping on this kid. Like the kid was like going to cry or whatever. And, Meanwhile, he's uh, doing him a favor. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I gave you one, one job. <laughs> I know. He would scare everybody. Now, he, he was the type that, and it was funny because, like, afterwards, like, I've seen him do that sort of thing, and then afterwards, like, maybe, maybe three hours later, though, because it was a legit, he legit, that was his temper. But he might, like, wink and give the kid, like, 50 bucks. You, you know what I mean? But, but that was bird dog. Anyway, yeah, tell me another one, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> well... Another, I, th I think actually we used at the end of the season those sticks came out and we used them all to sign. You know how you sign the sticks at the end of the year and set all that up. And so we used all those sticks because Bird couldn't use them because they were too small. So we put tape over them and the whole team signed them. We used them <laughs> away to the to the sponsors or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So another one I um, just thinking here. Um, I was a rookie, so it was I lived with Doug Bonner and Goalie from Bonner. Seattle. Yannick Trombley. He was from the Quack. He defends. Yeah, yeah I remember we lived, Yannick. We, we all lived together. So I think we went to Green Sleeves for after practice for lunch, like three rookies, whatever, just hanging out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Normal. And uh, so we eat our lunch. We're ready. We just like, yeah, we'll take the bill. We're ready to leave. So the, the waitress comes back with the bill, but then she had like um, a tray full of beer. And we're like, like, what the hell? Like, we just want to pay our bill. You know what I mean? We're, we're good. Yeah. And uh, she goes, well, here's your bill, but the bill can't be paid until all these beers are, are, are until you guys drink all these beers. There was like nine beers there. So we had to drink three beers each. And we're like, like, did you, I'm like, Dougie, did you order these? He's like, no. He's like, is this a rule at the bar? Yeah. I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, where are these beers yeah. coming from? Right. So then we're looking around, like there's no one else in the, in, in the place. And then I'm like, wait a minute, someone's got to be here. So then we look at the back and there's two guys playing those uh, video slot machines yeah. and one was Bird Dog and the other one was Wayne Presley. Remember Wayne Presley? Yes. They called him Elvis. He, he got sent down to St. John's for two games. So he was hanging out with Bird Dog and Bird Dog and Presley were hanging out at the back. back they of played the, at the uh, show together and shit. Yeah. Oh, they're just hanging out telling show stories, playing the video poker and they seen us and they're like, well, we'll, we'll let them eat their lunch. And then, and then we'll get them. So we, the next thing you know, we drink, we drink like each drink three beers and then we're like, okay, we're ready to go. And, that, and then she comes back another tray. 
So we ended up, he's like, you guys are in the bird dog lunch today. So then bird dog joined <laughs> us that. at Presley. And we, oh yeah. So we had to drink beer. Uh, here I am, man. I, I just want to go for a sandwich. You know what yeah, I mean? I, and I, and I, <laughs> I know. And you really did just want to go for a sandwich. Yeah. People say that, but you really did just want to go for a fucking sandwich and you can't get out of there. <laughs> and he's just laughing. He's like, no, this is my, this is the way I eat lunch, Brando, he would say. So I'm like, all right, bird dog, I, I guess I'll try this. So yeah, no, and he, he ended up paying for the bill or whatever. He was unreal though. But like next thing, you know, like, that's just bird dog, right? But that, that's what Brando, what he would do, bird's ideal day, like whenever when practice was over at like 11 or 12, uh, sometimes earlier, we went on at like nine or whatever, like bird would go out and like immediately now, he would never be out till bar closed. I try to say, like, people have gone, oh, man, I can't believe he was drinking so early. But I said it was no different than anybody else going out at 6 or 7 and staying out till close. Like, Bird would often get tits up in the middle of the day, and everybody – and, of course, where everybody followed him, that was generally what we did. We'd go into the Allen Lager or Greensleeves. I really don't remember shutting down the bar much in St. John's. It, it was daytime, and it was all Bird Dog, and that was his style. He liked to go out, have some – beers have lunch and do it his way and he wanted everybody to do it his way i love that he paid for it though yeah um yeah <laughs> brando four years in the a i gotta be honest man you did well in each between 30 and 40 points and coming in with it with not really realizing the expectations and i saw you play i played on your line for a little bit and i often two-way player you're underrated two-way but what happened at the because I, I see a good career now you went it's still good because you ended up in great uh, Arkansas, though, but how, like, did you have no offers after the 99 2000 season? It surprises me, is why I ask. Well, yeah, so, um, after the fourth season, that's actually when the IHL folded. I oh, think. so there was no option. So, 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 man, what happened was there was too many hockey players and not enough jobs. Yeah, and it that, was, that was, was the case for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. It, it came, it came, and then it, cause you, you got to think like they, Every year that you play pro, you got new kids coming up, right? And new kids coming up. So yeah, you- so I ended up. I ended up. I did. Um, obviously, um, I ended up going to Arkansas or whatever in the in the East Coast League. So, but I, my four. So my four years in uh, St. John's. Did you know that I, I'm the fourth all-time games played in St. John's? It doesn't surprise me because you weren't injured much. I remember you played. I, I didn't look at your exact games played, but yes. no, I didn't. Interesting. Like, I assume Gila who's first, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, Nathan Dempsey, uh-huh. Nathan and, Dempsey. and, and uh, DJ Smith. Yeah. And, but they, I think they all played maybe, I, th- I think they all played more than four seasons, though, right? Yeah. So I, I actually, was I, I, I was actually eight. looking. What's that? Nathan was there for like parts of eight, but go ahead. You were, you were, yeah. Uh, so I was, I was looking through the stats or whatever, but like for my four seasons, the first year I played 75 out of 80 games. Yeah, and then the next year I played seventy nine out of eighty, and then I played eighty and eighty. So I missed six games, six games yeah. out of uh, out of uh, like eighty, eighty, eighty. You know what I mean? So it's like ninety. I played ninety percent, ninety eight percent of the games. Were you played. injured much? Like, I, well, well, I just the thing about man, the thing about hockey, man. Ever since I was probably ten years old, if there's a way, and you did this too, Terry. Like, if there's a way you're gonna play, you're gonna play. Yeah. That was just if if I can play, I'm gonna play. So yeah, I'm sure there was games that maybe. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I do. Yeah. Yeah. And you were that kind of guy. And, and again, that's what I mean about being tough though. Like I often say to people, it, it's not a, 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 this black and white thing. Like one of the toughest players Brando I ever saw with my own eyes was Peter Forsberg. I don't know if he dropped his gloves once, but Oh man, could he go in the corner and come out of the corner? And it didn't matter who he went in with. 
he come out whistling, chewing a toothpick, man. It did not matter. I was, whoa, is this guy. And, and you remind me of that. And, and just to answer, because, you know, some guys do take, the parachute comes out. I don't want to be specific, but certain guys take a game or two off. And, it, and it's normal here and there. But you do have it in you. If you could play, you would. Now, speaking of Nathan Dempsey, um, so did you see the thing on Demmer with the Parkinson's and everything? He's doing all right. I, I yeah, saw him. No, I did. I did. I actually seen him. I was in Toronto. I go to this, uh, the coaches conference, like the coaches, yeah. the hockey coaches site or whatever. There's uh, they bring in all the NHL, like AHL, European coaches. There's a coaching clinic for, for, for anyone from like my, any coach that can go there. So he was there. So I, I caught up with him there. Oh, so nice. I talked to him. Glad. It was nice to see him. I hadn't seen him in a while, but yeah. You know, he was, I look back, I don't know, people ask me how good he was. I'm like, you know, he was, A, he was a, he was a great leader. He was great in the room. I really enjoyed it. Nathan was the kind of guy, man, that is the kind of guy, I shouldn't say was. As a player, though, I mean, he'd lighten up a room. He, he, he was always smiling, and I liked that about him. Um, and I'm glad. Uh, those of you, I don't want to get right into it, but if you want to see a story, there was one on Sportsnet. A simple Google search, great player. I'm glad he ended up getting up to the NHL. And um, anyway, he's, he came down with some adversity, but he's handling it really well. Um, St. John's itself. Uh, I'm, ass I'm assuming you enjoyed playing here. Most people do. I don't think I've ever really talked to you about it. Um, did, did you enjoy the rock? Oh, I did. I mean, I, I, the, we got treated amazing. The people were so nice. The fans were amazing. And, and the nightlife was unreal. Like, it, yeah, it was, it was good. Um, it was I, lived all... with, uh, I lived with the Padolan for two years. So one, one year we lived out in Torbay or whatever, and then one year we lived uh, just behind the arena up on, up on the hill there. Signal Hill, I think it's called. Or... Yeah, so yeah, we, Signal we... Hill. I, I know I, I had a spot up there for a bit. I remember that, your place in Torbay, because Pode's – actually, Jason has been an, a guest on my show maybe uh, five or ten guests ago. Uh, and yeah, he was another good player. Jeez, you know. Um, he got up for a little bit, but yeah, you guys lived together. I, f I found then it was a nice transition because it, it, it was a lot similar for me. I'm in Fredericton representing Montreal Canadiens. You're in St. John's playing for the Leafs. A, I love that our, our teams let us wear the jerseys of the pro team. Hamilton Bulldogs to me doesn't hold the same weight as the Fredericton Canadians with, with the Montreal jerseys, right? And same thing with the Leafs. So I found it, to me, it was a nice little transition, uh, those towns. You know, to go from Tri-City and Junior to represent the organization, but to be in Fredericton, as opposed to, say, going to Philadelphia and playing for the minor team and you're in Philadelphia. I know there's pros with that. But St. John's seemed like a nice little place because fans appreciate it. The rink was only as big as a junior rink. At the time, it was even smaller. But I found that, that the, the, a place for a junior coming out that you're treated well, that's well attended, and if nothing else, you guys sold out of a game. Now, wasn't as many fans uh, in, fit in the rink, but that whole flavor. So, who could you would you consider then the whole time you were here were your closest buddies? Um, well, I actually think I, I kind of hung out with everyone. Like, you did. Uh, that's why like, I asked. Like, you did. You were yeah. <laughs> like I, I was Kevin Adams. Like I hung out with him for, for you know yeah. for him. I hung out with. Uh, like Trent, I lived, my first year I lived with Trent Call. Okay, Callie was there. Yeah, and the dead So, so I, you know what I mean? Like, like Call was an unbelievable, like he's a coach now in, in the AHL, NHL, I think. So he was an unbelievable, like, mentor or whatever. Um, I hung out a little bit, actually, my first year with, like, Brian Wiseman. Like, a little bit. Like, we used to room on the road. And that's actually, yeah. when you think toughness, like Peter Forsberg, man, 
that guy, Brian Wiseman. Yeah. Small. For a small guy, you're right. And he is like right now, if it was right now, he'd, he'd, he'd be in the NHL. Like, I don't think he played, didn't really get, um, didn't get there long. No, he he certainly didn't get his just, just dessert. I know he, he he like guys like Scott Sullivan and them got through. And I've always said like, you know, but but it takes someone to give you a real chance, especially back then, but it, it really takes someone to give you a real chance. Um, just getting into the personal thing. So after that, Brando, you go down to Arkansas. I mean, uh, lots of, again, just a shade, three points under a point a game, 71 games, 68 points. You, uh, uh, Cincinnati, I was there with you, Bakersfield for a little bit. You go to the United League. You're a contributor everywhere. You're, I mean, your last year in the United League even, you're still putting up a point a game. What made you give it up? Before, before, I'm, I am going to go back to some of that, but we only got about 10 more minutes, and I want to understand someone that loves it so much and I know yeah. part of this answer is senior hockey because you didn't really give it up. But what made you retire from pro? Yeah, I, I actually hate talking about this, but like uh, I actually got a kind of a bad hit, and I and I got the uh, I got a concussion, and that's actually why I stopped playing. Like my goal was always to play till uh, probably like forty. I want to play as long as I can, so I wanted to play pro for like, say twenty years, or whatever. Yeah. I played 10 and I ended up having a concussion that uh, I, could, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, continue my career. And I got, I got a settlement out of it and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I would have ripped that thing up in a heartbeat if I, I could know you would have play. So yeah, that's, that's one of the, the actual regrets that I never, um, cause I, I felt that I was always getting better as a player. Even, you were even, even whatever age I was. So um, I mean, I would have, any all the money I would have made for, for from ten or from thirty to forty, I would have given that back up just to be able to play. You know what I mean? So it, it's it's kind of like a sore spot. It it definitely uh, sucks, or whatever. Um, and then I and then after that, I I, I um, senior teams called me and I played senior for probably like five years. And I mean, it was it was it was it was. Uh, it's manageable because it there's less games. Yeah. But I mean, as far as like it was, it's still not pro, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, you know, you're doing what you, you're playing the sport you love, but like you're not playing at, at, the, at the level you wanted to play it at. So that's um, like one thing, like, kind of like the, the concussion really was a sore spot. And if you don't mind me asking, so I, w- I don't mind saying it. So I, I missed almost one full season with post-concussion syndrome. It was the worst once in a while too. Once in a while, it'll come back. For a day or two, I'm on pills. I went to see, um, they're called Cybelium. Now they just thin out my, 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 you know, I don't mean, I wouldn't have to justify it, but the, the pills I'm on kind of help with migraine headaches. I, I found I got more of those. There, but at the time going through it, it was like emotional. I had, my depth perception was off. I, I, I often cry for no reason. I, I, and, and maybe some of that, or get mad, or, or wasn't always crying. I would throw a plate, or I, I, I get frustrated, I guess, but but a lot of that, I think, is natural when there's something going on with your brain. The funny thing with me, Brando, you know me, I got in so many fights. I had post-concussion syndrome four times, and each one was from an open ice hit going on. And I found it hard to, to keep coming out of my own end as a winger and not have my head down at one point. You know, there's a, when the D-man gives you the pass coming out, there is always a point that you got to trust and you got to put your head down. And over thousands and thousands of times, most of the time I didn't get hit, but I got hit four. And each time and that's what rocked me I, meanwhile i could take a punch from domi it was weird how did you get your concussion uh yeah so so what happened was i was kind of cutting through the middle kind of like that doug gilmore marty mcsorley hit there yeah similar to that like coming so the guy hit me he hit me good and i was down but then uh what happened there was a line brawl after that 
So everyone squared up and obviously like I'm on the ground, like kind of like uh. out and uh, their tough guy, like everyone's lined up and their tough guy has no one to grab. So he's like, he's like, he's, I don't know, squirrely. So he doesn't know what to do. So what does he do? He grabs a guy on the ground that's already out. So that's what happened. And that's why it's almost like that second, second, uh, yeah. second concussion syndrome or whatever, whatever it's called, you know, the second impacts in them. So, uh, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm out. And then a guy comes and tries to fight me when I'm like, not even. And you're so, out. So, that's I, I, Brando. Unbelievable. That's exactly what happened to me. Mine's on. You can go to YouTube, Terry Ryan, Damon Lankow, Byron Brisky, Tony. I, I, I think it's like Lankow jumps in for Ryan or something. But anyway, yeah, I got, so I got hit up high, like a cross check coming through. It, it was a hit coming through, but he cross checked me in the face. Now I'm out, I'm out cold, but when my, my helmet pops off and then my head hits the ice and that, that, that was the problem. It was that kind of double whammy. Um, now I, I, I don't want to dwell on this anymore, but, that to me, so afterward, people often ask me why. I'm like, I did kind of go back to normal sh shortly after, but I was always aware. And I went through, that happened to me in junior. And I went through pro and everything, and I know I wasn't scared of much, and I played, but I never again even tried to give anybody an open ice hit. And it wasn't all because I felt bad for them. It was, you ever notice like then after like I'd find I would hurt from it. Like if someone was coming through and I gave someone a hit, even if it was open ice and I got the better of it, my head would still jolt a bit and I'd get a headache from it. And I'm like, this is weird. Like I'm, I'm almost doing it to myself. So I just stayed away from that. And I was like, wow, like people that I'm all of a sudden making sacrifices within a professional game. Like I got drafted for a reason. I'm still succeeding. You know, I'm fighting all these guys and get 20 goals in the A, but I'm, I'm sacrificing. I'm like, wow. Like when you got to start playing like that, it's very hard, especially when you're a guy like yourself that's so into it. So when you did retire, how long was it before you came back? And did you fully get your love of the game back? Oh, well, I, I think I missed maybe, uh, maybe one or, well, I missed a year and a half. Okay. I thought you were going to say Branford, month, fucking year and a half. Yeah. Branford, Peter Ham, he was hosting the Allen cup. So Jason Simon was from Sarnia and he was playing down there. So we were skating on a, there's a Wednesday skate in Sarnia with a bunch of ex pros that play. So uh, Jason was there. Um, Jeff Brown was skating and myself, we were there and Jason's like, Hey, well, like you gotta, you gotta come play senior. And I was like, senior, what do you mean? Like, like, I, you know, yeah. I wasn't really on my radar. The next thing you know, um, Peter Ham comes down to Sarnia and Jason sets up this meeting and, and Jeff Brown and myself and, and Jason, we all, uh, Jason was already playing there. We, we went to Brantford and ended up playing there. Well, Brantford, when I got down to the restroom, there was like Brent Gretzky. There was like Bobby Stewart. There was, uh, there was all kinds of like these ex pros, you know what I mean? Yeah. So our team was like, I was like, Oh, Steve Rice was, was on the team. Uh -huh. like, like it was awesome. I was like, Holy, this is not like what you consider. This is like basically all ex pros playing senior hockey. There's no senior hockey players here. These are all ex pros. Yeah. So we were hosting and Peter Ham. <laughs> definitely wanted to do whatever he could to build up that roster to make sure that we had a good chance to win and uh, like as you know I, well we played against you you guys that was and it so people that don't know i played for the bentley generals my one year i went out west to, there's pockets of canada that senior hockey is big and it's huge in newfoundland i still play brand if you can believe it um it, it's big here it's, it's you know very just as good as that grand falls won it a few years ago with same thing about 12 x pros um but that year I went out to Bentley and we clawed and our, scratched our way to the, to the tournament. What happens in the Allen Cup, there's a, there's a tournament, you, you win your region. 
Anyway, we ended up getting in the final, lo and behold, against that very team you're talking about. And we were no slouches either. We had myself, Kevin Smith, uh, Ryan's brother, played a bit in the NHL, only quit because he lost his eye. We had Dion Darling from the AHL days. We had Sugar Ray Schultz. Um, we had Daryl LaPlante, won a Stanley Cup with Detroit. Um, oh, top of my mind. Oh, um, Beagle, Kent Beagle, Chad Beagle, a great players from the Western League. Uh, and I'm, I'm probably skipping over a few, but you see what I mean. This certainly wasn't, you know, what a lot of people would think of senior hockey. You know, you say, say the words senior hockey, and a lot of people think there's beer involved, like beforehand. I'm like, no, it was treated very much the same. Um, obviously, people have lost a little bit of a step, and you're not skating every day might be the reason for that. But, but it was great hockey. So you won an Allen Cup. Did you get a ring for that? Yep. Yeah, we we all got beautiful rings, and yeah, I know. I'd love uh, to see that. Take a picture and send it over. I want to know what I missed out on. I, you know, <laughs> you know, we lost it again in 2015. I was in the final again with Clarenville, and we lost to Dundas in Dundas in double overtime. Jay McKee, um, oh God, who else? Ryan Christie, Matthew Burnaby was on the team. Um, I'm sure there was more. I'm, I'm drawing a bit of a blank, but yeah, twice I've been in the final in uh, Ontario and lost uh, in in over or sorry by one goal in the final both times. Um, so you did, you, 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 played senior for four or five years. I said, I know that had to be the highlight winning the Allen cup. If I'm wrong, let me know. You went back to Sarnia. Are you involved now in hockey? Yeah. So, um, I started in 1998. I started my own hockey school. Just, I could just call it Aaron brand hockey school. So I guess I was about 23 years old and I was training, training kids, um, in Sarnia. And then I joined up with uh, uh, the Blue Water Sharks to coach spring hockey. So I did that for two years. I coached spring hockey. Uh, and then I've always got like, obviously I love hockey and I love kids. So I was like, man, I like, I'm sitting there thinking you, you need to, you need to start at your own, your own team. You can do this. Right. hundred percent. So I was just like, I, I can kind of converted the Aaron brand hockey school and I had to put a name because now we're going into the teams and I didn't want to use my own name. So I, I, I started a team an organization called vision hockey. So we started a, a team called vision hockey. So that was 10 years ago. I started with uh, 10 players and a goalie. And now fast forward to our 10th, <clears throat> our 10th year, we have eight teams now. So I have teams at all different age groups, right? Starting at like six year olds. So like 2013, 12, 11, it goes by birth years, right? All the way up. So we have eight teams that we run. So then I've, I've just got my, uh, some of my hockey buddies um, around town, or, or that I know or whatever that played pro hockey. Yeah. And so, so I have all pretty much almost all hockey guys coaching the, the kids. And what we do is during the winter time, we go around and we select our teams um, for, for these tournaments. And so we'll, we'll go in like three or four tournaments in Toronto and stuff. So I know there's a lot of debate about whether you should uh, put your equipment away in the summer and play different sports well, to a point, or, you know, but, but, but where it's at for, for me to see is that uh, like spring hockey is where it's at because you get, you get the hard course, you get the best players off all these teams and put them on a, on one team and, and build a, a team and you're trying to win a championship. Right. So you go in tournaments and stuff. So that's what we do. So, yeah. So to answer your question, um, that's what I'm doing now as um, I'm doing vision hockey. So we have spring teams, we have uh, uh, summer camps and we do like skill sessions. Do you have a website do you, or and do you have like any uh, merchandise or anything like that? Um, yeah, we have merchandise. Our website's uh, visionhockey.com. Uh, okay. So if anyone wants to check that out and then uh, 
Yeah, another little... Um, and what are you, by the way, before I forget, on your, what's your Instagram and, and Twitter and all that? Oh, okay. My Instagram's Aaron Brand 019. Okay. So Aaron Brand 019. Was Aaron Brand 19 taken? Well, it was ta- I was taken. It was taken by me because I went first. I when I get oh, into this thing, I didn't know how to do all this stuff. So someone set me up an account. It was Aaron Brand nineteen. So then, uh, next thing you know, I'm like trying to get into an account, and it's like, oh, Aaron Brand 19's taken. I was like, who the hell is Aaron Brand nineteen? <laughs> like it was no. already me. But now I got Aaron nineteen more Aaron Brands that. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so then, uh, so then, yeah. So the, I got Vision Hockey, and then uh, we recently just started. Uh, we have Vision Nutrition. So we have our own protein uh, powder um, line. So we Beautiful. have three different protein powders. So that's what we're, that's what we're doing now. It's kind of like, you know how you like, you, you know, you get something going and you, you're always looking to better yourself and expand, right? Yeah. So we're trying to like uh, cater to the kids or whatever. And it's, it's made for kids and adults. So any, any sports, anyone in sports or anyone that wants to get like, a healthy lifestyle. So we have a couple of different kinds. We have like a, like a, like a concentrate, an isolate and a vegan. So speaking of Pirolin, he's not doing exactly that, but he's doing a program with, you know, positive mind frame. A lot of his podcast is based around that. Uh, I think you guys should get in touch again, maybe uh, get talking and, 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 you know, pick each other's brains. You could probably help each other. Um, and to get you in touch with an old buddy. Um, is there anything else you're, you're involved with now that you want to promote or talk about? Um, yeah, those are, the, those are the two things that I do. I also do, um, I also do, uh, Sarnia sports memorabilia. So I have a company, uh, a third company actually that, uh, we buy and sell autographs. So we sell like, like autographs, like high end autographs, like, and like mostly hockey, like NHL, like Bobby Orr, Gordie Howe, Wayne Gretzky, Ken Dryden, Maurice Richard, Johnny Bauer. So we, we do autograph pictures and stuff. So I go to these, uh, the sports card expo. There's a big show in Toronto every year. We go and set up a booth there and we buy and sell and trade. So that's actually like another passion of mine. And that's kind of like my thing for, for after, after, uh, I'll be doing that for a long time. Like, well, like we'll, after, um, it's my retirement thing. I'm building up my collection. So I started out, it's just like anything. I started out with one autograph, right? And then, and then I got up to 50 and then I got a hundred. And I think now we're up to, uh, I'm talking to you about signed in, uh, autograph eight by 10. So again, I know you have your own auto, autograph eight by 10 that you give away to fans or whatever. So I have, I counted it the other day. I think I'm up to 2,500. So I have about 2,500 autographs. And I, like, I'm not just talking little squiggles, right? I know. I'm talking the signed sit down autographs because that industry is coming a long way now. Right. So guys like Bobby Orr, they get paid to do these sit downs and yeah. sign like a nice autograph and put it autograph placement you know what i mean so it's not yeah. just it's not just i'm grabbing a, a picture out of a magazine and meeting bobby Orr, and i say hey bobby can you sign this and he puts a little squiggle on but meanwhile he signs on his face because he you know he's got to sign like 10 autographs in like 10 seconds or whatever you know what i mean so these are the, the, the type that, of things that people take pride in that frame that put up on the wall of, of their house or their establishment yeah that's exactly exactly it so yeah um no that's fantastic um and, it, it, you know, right up your alley as a collector. How about the hockey cards? Do you go, do you collect any hockey cards? You seem like the type that would. Yeah, no, I, I do have the cards. So the, the cards, I used to just collect the cards. Um, and now the grading, like, I don't know if there's a company called PSA that grades the cards. Yeah. So you can send your, your, your uh, cards to a uh, 
PSA in California and then they'll send them back and they'll put a grade on your card. But I mean, they, they look at these things under a microscope and they just pick it apart. Right. So you thinking you got all these cards that are worth all this money and then they're just picking apart. Rando, I had, I had a Gretzky rookie and I didn't take it out. It was in one of these cases that's like you screw together and I didn't want, and it looked fantastic. Like I, I was like, well, I guess maybe, but it was never used for like knockdowns or anything. Like it was all the corners were, but you know, you could see a little bit of, little bit of wear, not much, not much, little tiny bit. Upon first glance, it, it, I, I would have said, if you just glanced, there was a chance it was like a 9.5. Like it looked perfect. And I got a 6.5 rating. Oh, I, oh yeah, because the, the, they look at the centering. They look at the yeah, edges. Like, the oh my God, yeah. It, I just thought it was like the, the card itself, how it was beat up. Like, because in our day, it was a lot of knockdowns and stuff. And I'm like, it hasn't been touched. You're right. It was like, it's not centered right. I'm like, I have nothing to do with that. I bought it, like, it came out of the pack like that, but it, but it doesn't matter, right? That's part of it. And I'm like, holy. So there's like, not only do you need to get, like, say if we're talking about a Gretzky rookie, because you can still get those packs. And not only do you need to get a Gretzky rookie, you're hoping that whoever cut it, cut it right. And that's completely out of your hands. It's wild. Yeah. I didn't even think oh, It is wild. It's crazy. It's fascinating. Like, you think, like, what, how, much, how much, like, is there really to know about the memorabilia industry? But it's, it's when you talk about you want to be the best at, at, like, say, autographs or, like, cards and stuff, there's so much to know, and, it, and it's crazy. And it's really hard. The guys that have that good stuff, they don't give it away. So to acquire that stuff, it's going to cost you a lot. And then if you have that stuff and you want to sell it to a dealer, well, a deal. Say the card's worth a hundred bucks, and you go to the dealer. Like, what? What do you think the dealer's going to give you? He ain't giving you a hundred bucks. That's Not even close. Like, no. like he'll give you twenty five bucks. You so know people I mean? that tell me I got thousands of dollars worth of cards, I'm like, well, you know, yeah, that's like saying, I don't know, I got thousands of dollars worth of pirates treasure. Like, I, you know, what do you mean? You have you have thousands of dollars worth of card? Maybe where are you going to unload it? Where where are you going to unload it? You, you might, but don't. I wouldn't be counting that as money because you're going to go to the dealer. You're going to go. Best case scenario, you're going to sell it on Amazon, and someone's going to want the grade, and then you're going to figure out it's graded way lower. It's just going to be a headache. Now, now, I'm not encouraging people not to collect. What I'm basically telling my friends, and I get this a lot because I'm buddies with Ken Reed. Like I'm not making yeah, this up. Well, I, yeah, yeah, right. You I see, see that? Him, I see him every show. I see him all the time. We talk about you all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 yeah, great. Yeah, I love Ken Reed. He's one of my best buddies, and he's really involved. So I had all these cards from my childhood, and that got me back into it. And I thought where it dropped off a little bit, at least from the card production, um, I was wrong there too. It just seemed to be more popular in the late '90s, but it's now it just seems to be more popular just amongst a specific group less people have these big collections but the people that do they're immaculate and they're worth thousands of dollars and, and i'm just realizing that now um your experience overseas you played in innsbruck for a year now i went over there brando were you at cincinnati yeah you were over there when we played exhibition right yeah yeah, yeah. And i went back over there to play a ball hockey exhibition i believe in any case so innsbruck hosted the olympics for those that don't know in the 70s i think maybe in the late 60s when we, austria is a place and the rink is awesome at least the way i saw it it's a little older but the whole end of one rink of the of the rink is is glass it's almost like a window and, and you can kind of see the mountains and there's like an opening and then you see the olympic rings and to me i loved it and and the ice was big and we went out and i, I wish i'd stayed there longer both times was only overnight Nice little restaurants. People were extremely laid back. They loved to watch hockey. And afterwards, 
just have fun. It seemed like everybody was smiling. What was your year like in Austria? I've been there, like I said, twice. Loved it. How was it to play in Innsbruck for a season? Yeah, I, I agree. Like Innsbruck uh, is probably, probably the, one of the nicest places I've ever visited with the mountains and all that and the snow and the people there, like everyone's in shape and they, they, it seems like they just know how to uh, um, enjoy life. Like, like every day at about three o'clock, they have like coffee and cake. Like Love everyone it. just stops what we're doing. Everything and they stops. Just sit and, yeah, yeah, coffee and cake. Like, every, like yeah. It's it crazy. was very they, similar to Italy that way, and I, I, I didn't really expect that going in. I didn't know what to think, but yeah, they really take it serious. And you know, if you don't do that, you, you have a little appetizer, you have a nap or whatever. There's this area in the middle of the day that everybody's kind of expected to chill. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That I didn't really know. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Everyone, I found there too. Everyone's in great shape, and they everyone's like running or skiing. Or, Isn't it amazing? You don't see yeah. many big people, do you? No, not none, none. None. Yeah. Is huge. And like fast food is minimal. There's not six McDonald's in every section of town. You're lucky to find one or, or unlucky, whatever way you want to look at it. But that's what I noticed. I'm like, how can so many people eat so much rich pasta and cake and, and not put on weight, but the, they don't eat much deep fried stuff, at least not fast food. And they walk and they bike and they're active. Yeah. You're right. That, that's the difference. It's amazing. Um, Brando, so let's see. Um, I think I've gotten everything I was going to get to, at least for this version, more because I've got to take off and work than, than anything else. I'd love to have you here even longer and talk about our, our, our Cincinnati experience, get into uh, St. John's a little bit more, and even talk about uh, when I'm going to see you again because that's got to happen. Um, but for now, do you have anything else you'd like to talk about? Um, yeah, just one thing. On this, on of St. course. John's, I, was, I was going back because I played there four years. Do you realize in the NHL – like I'm in DJ Smith played in St. John's coaching Ottawa Senators. Jared Bednar played in St. John's coaching Colorado Avalanche. Oh, I know what you're getting at. Dallas Eakins played at St. John's coaching Anaheim Ducks. Brian Wiseman played is uh, played wow. in St. John's Edmonton Oilers assistant coach. And then Kevin Adams is a GM. Yeah, just got and, and Trent Cole. He's a coach, isn't he? Yeah, he's coach. I think he's in the American League. I'm not 100 yeah. sure. But, but very, very. But yeah, he's on the door knocking. Well, look at look at the the amount of of guy. Like it's unbelievable. And if if Bird Dog hadn't passed away, because he actually coached in St. John's for a little bit. That's another story for next time because it's a fantastic story we got to get into. Um, but anyway, there, there was a lot of people. Demmer is okay. That that's where the NHL stops. Yes, but you know Demmer's out there still involved. Because some teams, just look back. Think of the team we played on Cincinnati. Some people are, but most people aren't. Right? Right. Most people I played with in Fredericton don't have much to do with the game anymore. Um, some commentators, Dave Moore said. But for some reason, in that group of three or four years worth of St. John's Maple Leaf, and we're up, you can end there. We go right back to the beginning and we can add even more. But, you know, let's say a six-year span in St. John's. All those players ended up coaching, but there's so many others that are still involved, like yourself. And I don't know what to attribute that to. Maybe it's just a fluke, but a lot of, and, and I mean, we had some crazy teams. And it, but everybody seems to, to, you know, to still be focused on it. And I can see Sean Thornton get into a role like that at some point too. He's knocking on that door. I never would have thought it at the time. Probably would have been the last person I would have thought. And I'm, that's a compliment that he's come a long way. Um, but anyway, no, that's a good point. Um, if there's, uh, God, what else? 
I got about five minutes, Brando. I think we're going to leave it there. I think we're just going to have you have you. What ends up happening, I have people on for volume two. And we're probably going to do that, especially if you talk to Ken Reed all the time. I'd love to have both you guys on. Maybe, maybe Ken talk about his cards and you talk about your collectibles. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I do, I do see him there. And he, like, he, 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 loves, like, he always talks about John Sim, Terry Ryan. Like, he knows all the boys. And he's, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's like a little kid too, man. Like, it's crazy seeing like, uh, adults like ourselves. Dude, you guys are both. You guys are so similar. <laughs> yeah. You go crazy about a card. I'm like, oh my god, I got this card, and it's the tops, and it's or it's all peachy, and it's graded, and it's this or it's that, and like guys go nuts. But I don't know, man. It's passion, man. That's the thing. I eh? like yeah. it's you gotta have like if you got passion for something, that's that's like living. You know what I mean? So so exactly. for my so for passion for me, like I'm about right now. I'm actually you know I'm not playing pro hockey anymore, but I'm coaching kids and I'm training kids, and and that's my passion. So. Um, uh, that's, I get my hockey fix there when I'm on the ice. They just, we've been off the ice since, uh, I think it was March 9th. I counted 124 days and we just got back on the ice, uh, last, um, Saturday we were on for five and a half hours. So just getting on that ice again after, after four months off is, is just awesome. It's good for the mind, Brando. It's good for the mind. Uh, it's great. And you're right. Passion, man. If you have passion for it, go for it and, uh, find your passion. It's a great message. I loved having you on kickstand. It was, uh, <laughs> we won't get into that story. For, we have a whole other segment to do sometime soon. I wish you all the best with vision hockey. I hope to see you again soon. Really Brando. And you look great. You look great. I don't know what's going down. I got a 45 year old on the end. You know what I mean? At our age, it goes one way or the other. E either you, because you know, all of a sudden age starts catching up. It's great. But, but you're, you're, you're hanging on to a great body, good-looking kid. Your hair looks great, right? I, ho I think there's hair under that hat. I think there is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought so. Um, so it's great, honestly, to see you. Um, again, so passionate. Just to see you again and talk to you again, and I'd love to do it again soon. And I'm hoping when all this is over, A, you get over here to visit us. Love to see you in Senior's Basement. Uh, but B, I'm in Ontario all the time, and we've got to hook up next time. All right. I really appreciate you having me on and I uh, look forward to doing it again sometime. Okay. Kickstand brand there. It's been a great guest. Love having you on, pal. Talk again soon. Okay, ladies and gents, there you have it. My good buddy, Aaron Brand. I hope this works. I just had this on pause for almost another hour. So that ended. I missed everything I had to do. And, um, Brando and I were just talking. Like we, I just pressed pause. We, we, I just kept the mic in my hand, and we just talked for that long. We could have almost had volume two. And anyway, it was nice to talk to him again, and uh, that guy loves hockey. Uh, listen, um, what else? Yeah, I got to take off pretty soon because I got to get back down to TJ's tonight. I'm, I'm actually doing some um, – I'm going to go cod jigging with a couple of my buddies. Mike Druken plays on the Caps with me. We're going to try to go cod jigging for a little bit before I head down there tonight. NHL is coming back. Yeah, that's uh, – yeah, I'm pretty pumped, i got to be honest. I still am not a believer, though. I, I want to see it happen, but I'll believe it when the puck drops. How about that? Um, I, guys are, are opting out. I think Max Domi might. I haven't seen whether he did or not yet. Uh, Travis Amonic is. That's just two examples. These are impact players, though. That, that's why I, I, find it, I find it just hard. Like, what if you play Edmonton and McDavid and Drysdale aren't playing? Or, 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 I mean, that's just one example. I picked a big duo, Crosby, Malkin. Doesn't it could be six people on a team. Or, I'm just saying, impact players 
you know, might just, I guess they're going to play, but some people are, are opting out. Some people are going to get it and not have symptoms, but not couldn't be able to play. Then they're going to pass it to their grandfathers who do have symptoms or grandmothers. Then they're going to go home and everybody got a quarantine and I'll just believe it when this gets going. And if, if you know, if they contain the, the, the virus, I'm a believer. And I really hope, and if hockey really is back and coming back, I'm pumped. I don't consider it back though. Cause there's two days of training camp. I'll uh, believe it when I see it. And I really hope it happens. My fingers are crossed. People are asking me who I think is going to win. I have no idea. There's too many factors that come into play. And, uh, you know, where did we even end? I think everybody has, uh, I, what am I going to say? Everybody has a chance. Of course, everybody has a chance. What do I want? A participation ribbon? I'm just saying it's shortened. Right. It's going to be very shortened. You have to take into account guys that are old that couldn't train as much. Doesn't even have to be old. Some people have physical ailments. Some people have diabetes. Some people are uh, high ankle sprain from four years ago that just a little bit of time off might hurt. Some people, you know, they get more sore. I'm one of those when I get stagnant, I don't do anything. And I know they've all been doing something, but there was a few months that they really couldn't do much. Now was there. They couldn't train the way they normally would. So I'm curious to see that. I think a few guys even retired in the process. Was Joe Ward, didn't he retire? Like in the middle of the season kind of thing, really. Uh, so there's a lot of factors. Um, you know, uh, so I'm not going to make a prediction. I'm just going to, I don't want to jinx it all. I'm going to hope it comes back and, and it stays back. Um, Penny Posh, Women's Wear Reimagined. Check it out. Penny Posh hoodies are $129.99. We'll give them to you for $69.99. I'll throw in a signed picture. My dad will throw in a signed picture. So there's that. Um, check into it. Uh, Penny Posh, you can follow them online, Penny Posh Designs or Danny Ryan. Um, as far as the rest of my sponsors, first of all, number 10 clothing. Number 10 clothing. Check it out. It's in, in Newfoundland. It's the Cadigan Foundation, really. Ron Cadigan was a great guy. His sons, James and Dan, I play hockey against them. Good people. But he was a great guy. And they started a foundation, which, uh, for lack of a better way to explain it, raises money for people to play sports in uh, Torbay in Newfoundland, big area. That can't do it. Most of it's hockey, but it doesn't have to be. In any case, it's uh, raising money for a good cause. So check it out. Check us out at Greensleeves on uh, George Street, Greensleeves and Turkey Joe's. You already know me rambling enough if you follow me and you listen to this about TJ's, but Greensleeves, you know, we're, we're all part of the same family. Greensleeves downtown, Greensleeves uptown. They serve. Uh, we're following social distancing rules. It's actually easier when you serve food because everybody sits down. And it's easy to get them, keep them sitting. But there's live music. Uh, yes, life is different, but it's still on the go. Smile. Please be happy. Uh, and from this point when will i see you again i'm going to say this man i said it i'm going to try to pump one out a week for sure the odd time maybe maybe i'll get adventurous and try to put in some extra content but expect one a week uh coming up we got some great guests just a few to mention would be matthew burnaby jeff merrick uh brad lukowich just a few um and uh from there be safe uh thanks to everybody for uh bearing with me and it looks like our numbers are still up uh, so thanks to everybody thanks to dylan and isha at the hockey podcast network uh for editing this every week and i know i lost touch a little bit guys but i'm still going to pump them your way and uh thank you and thank you for taking care of all the 
the editing and all that. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks to Angus Barrett, my coach in under 14 and under 16 soccer, for having the confidence in me to put me striker. And, uh, you know, ended up going on to lead the Atlantics in scoring, and we won the Atlantic Championship under 16. That was a great moment. We went to the Nationals and got our asses handed to us. But uh, thanks a lot for Angus for helping me uh, achieve my goal of being on the Mount Pearl Soccer All-Stars. Thank you to Jed Butt, who coached me in Mosquito Baseball, and Mac Rideout. You guys were instrumental in helping me with my baseball career, which quickly ended and has only come back sporadically locally, but it was still a bit of fun. Team atmosphere, like I always said, is great. Thank you to Stephen Hancock and the staff at the owners and staff at Turkey Joe's and Greensleeves for sticking with me in this time. Uh, thanks to my ex-wives for being good people and not killing me, uh, especially one Danny Ryan that... Uh, is still here. She followed me over to Newfoundland, and now we're here, and we have a daughter, and her family is out west. I know that. I get it. It must be hard. We get along well. People always ask how we're doing. Well, we're not together romantically, okay, but I'll say this. There's more to a relationship than having to screw every day. There really is, and I think we're, we're opening up avenues that weren't there before, and were that romantic expectation there? Who knows? All I know is that I live apart, from uh, Danielle, uh, we share Penny Lane, for lack of a better way to put it. My parents are down the road. Penny Lane has lots of love, more so than when we were arguing under the same roof. So, hey, I'm not here to recommend that to anybody. People just want an update. There you have it, okay? I, uh, I appreciate Danielle for who she is, and it got foggy, I guess. Some people are meant to be together and others aren't. And what does be together really mean, right? We'll always be together in some way. I'll always love that woman. She's the daughter or the mother of my daughter and, uh, and Tyson, who I helped raise. So answer is, yeah, we're doing good. Uh, no, we're not together. But sometimes that's not entirely a bad thing. Thanks to Princess. There she is. Hey, say hi, Princess. Say hi. Say hi. Um, princess. Thanks to you for coming into my life. I didn't really love kittens before, but now I got to say I got a little best friend in my apartment. Other than that, thanks for listening and thanks for tuning in next week when we have, likely, Brad the Hammer Lukowicz, two-time Stanley Cup winner. Thanks, everybody. I haven't said that enough. Have a great week. Like Aaron Brand, have passion for what you're doing, or at least try to. Peace. Love you guys.